We don't want doctors performing illegal abortions. You're just spoiling for a fight with the federal government, aren't you? Laws designed to protect innocent human life. Do you accept Joe Biden won fairly in last year's presidential election? I don't know what happened in every single state. In a sign of growing impatience, the Biden administration has stepped up its objections to a new abortion law in Texas and asked the Supreme Court to block it. Within hours, the court indicated it would resolve the dispute quickly. The Texas law is highly controversial. It bans termination after a fetal heartbeat is detected and when many women may not even realize they're pregnant. My guest this week is Brian Hughes, a Texas state senator who spearheaded the legislation. He joins me from state capital, Austin. What makes him think he's doing the right thing? Brian Hughes, welcome to Conflict Zone. Thank you for having me. Your abortion law is now facing the full wrath of the administration, which called it plainly unconstitutional and specifically designed to evade judicial scrutiny. They're right on both counts, aren't they? The law is designed to protect innocent human life. That's the government's highest responsibility, and that's what the bill does. So uh, we're, we're, we're proud of that. We want to save little babies. You say that, but the administration's lawsuit says your statute impedes women from exercising their constitutional rights to terminate a pregnancy as recognized in the Supreme Court ruling on Roe v. Wade in 1973. Just because you've devised a scheme in which the public is going to enforce the law instead of the state of Texas doesn't make your law constitutional, does it? In Roe v. Wade in 1973, seven old men decided they would make this decision for the rest of the country. And that's ever since then, the people have been trying to take this decision back. And as you know, the Supreme Court for the last 30 years has been giving states more opportunities, more room to protect innocent human life, to regulate abortion. That process is still going on. Uh, we believe that that little unborn baby growing inside her mother's womb is a human being worthy of protection. Now we can love and support and help that mother while we save the little baby's life. We can do both, and that's what we're doing in Texas. Well, I want to come on to your feelings and your motivations a bit later, but a dozen other states have passed laws just as restrictive as yours, but federal judges have blocked them, citing Roe versus Wade. Um, Truth is, you're just spoiling for a fight with the federal government, aren't you? As Republicans, don't you just relish the chance to throw a powerful punch at a Democratic president and see what happens? Texas has been passing pro-life bills for the last 20 years under Republican and Democratic administrations. This is about human life. It's not a partisan issue. It's about life, protecting innocent human life. And we're going to keep doing that. We're proud of that. Let's be honest, the way this law was drafted is an example of sharp legal practice, isn't it? Almost a sort of backroom maneuver. And the sharp practice is this. You knew it would be unlawful for your state and, uh, or any other to take away the right to an abortion under the U.S. Constitution. So you came up with a scheme to incentivize ordinary citizens to effectively do it for you. But even the conservative chief justice, John Roberts, wasn't buying it, was he? As he put it, the desired consequence well, of this scheme appears to be to insulate the state from responsibility for implementing and enforcing the regulatory regime. 
by a 5-4 to four ruling, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled the law could take effect, and they would take a look later. We look forward to judicial review of this law. It's based on the Constitution, based on the law. We have a problem that's because our district attorneys, many of them in America, have publicly stated they will not enforce pro-life laws. A number of prosecutors, even in Texas, representing millions of people, said even if Roe is overturned, we will not enforce pro-life laws. So we had to turn to an English common law concept called KETAM. You're probably familiar with it. And it says that private citizens can bring suits on behalf of the people, on behalf of the common good. America's done this ever since we've been here. Texas, of course, adopted the common law of England back in 1845. Well, the, we Chief, Justice, the Chief Justice on the Supreme do Court doesn't think much of it, does it? You know, he's already said that. Well, he was one of the five, he was one of the, he was, he was one of the four, not one of the five. And so exactly. we'll see what the Supreme Court says when so, the whole so, opinion so all gets it in takes, front of them. All it takes is one more conservative justice to walk over to the liberals and your law is finished, isn't it? And there's going to be plenty of opportunity for that because this is going to be a battle that's going to go on and on through the courts, isn't it? It's not over yet. Uh, this, battle is not, this battle is not new. For the last 30 years, the Supreme Court's been narrowing Roe versus Wade, beginning in 1989, again in 93, and all the way through. They continue to do that because they recognize technology has told us. Now with sonograms, we can look inside the mother's womb and we can see that little baby. We can see her developing inside her mother's womb. That's why abortions are going down in America, not only the rate, but the real number of abortions. They're going down in Texas faster than they're going down in America because we're learning more about the little baby developing inside her mother's womb. That's why the Supreme Court is finally letting the states regulate this and letting them protect innocent human life. We believe that's going to continue. And it's inviting challenges, isn't it? It all but invited procedurally proper challenges. That's what they said in the ruling that allowed your law to stand for the moment. Procedurally proper challenges, almost holding the door open for them. So they're not impressed by this device that you we, used, are they? And more than 300 <laughs> attorneys... We go by the rules. More than, well, that's open to dispute. That's what, that's what the federal government's lawsuit claims you're not doing. But more than 300 attorneys, former judges, experts in civil trial law and health, begged you not to use this scheme. We implore you, they said, not to use the judicial branch in a political battle over abortion with legislation that right. subverts the foundations of our judicial system. That's a serious charge, but you ignored them. Why? That's a serious charge made by people with political motivations. And we you have don't consumer have any. protection laws you in don't America. Have any? We have consumer protection laws. We have consumer protection laws in America that allow private citizens to bring these claims. This is nothing new. We patterned this after the Medicaid fraud statute. Medicaid is our government health care program in Texas, and we patterned this law after a years old law that says any person can bring a claim. We recognize some people disagree with this. It's a divisive, difficult issue, and we recognize that. We're following the law, and we believe the Supreme Court will ultimately do the right thing. Roe versus Wade will, be, will go away, and states, the people of the states, will be able to make these decisions the way it was before. We believe that's the constitutional result. That may not happen with this case, but we believe that's where America is going. The government in Washington says what your law actually does is provide for bounty hunters, people who decide, that is, to spy on their fellow citizens and then sue anyone who aids or abets the abortion process, or with the promise of a cash prize of at least $10,000 if the suit is successful. Would you personally be happy to be one of those bounty hunters yourself? That same federal government brings claims under the False Claims Act. Look it up. It's a federal statute that lets private citizens bring cases 
against people who are found guilty of defrauding the federal government. It's that been on the books my for question. decades. This is nothing, this is nothing new. This Mr. is Mr. nothing Hughes, that wasn't new. my question and about whether when it the was district new. Attorneys, when, the, when, the prosecutors, when the prosecutors who are sworn to uphold the law, who've taken an oath, and they say, we're not going to uphold the law, the people of Texas respond. So if they won't uphold the law, the people of Texas will, using an old tool that goes all the way back to the English common law. Mr. Hughes, that wasn't my question. My question was whether you would be happy to be one of those bounty hunters yourself. If you got to hear about somebody who was aiding or abetting an illegal, in the view of the state of Texas, an illegal abortion procedure, would you sell them out? Pure and simple. Easy question. I don't plan, I don't plan to... I don't plan to file any of those lawsuits. As a lawyer, I file cases under the Texas Deceptive Trade Practices Act, the Federal False Claims Act. So this is not a new concept. But I as don't a plan private to file person, those cases. Would, you, would you do this or, or don't you have the stomach for it? You know, you worried that it might appear I, dishonorable <laughs> to do this? Standing up for innocent human life is the most honorable thing that we can do. So your answer is yes, you would do it. I don't have any plans to file such a lawsuit. Uh, I believe that if the abortion industry resumes taking the lives of little babies with heartbeats, I believe if they resume doing that in Texas, they're going to see those lawsuits. Our hope is that the deterrent effect will cause them to follow the law. And so far, by and large, the abortion industry in Texas is complying with the law. This law doesn't target the mothers who have an abortion, but everyone else involved in the process. That's right, isn't it? Doctors, nurses, counselors, family members, if they've contributed money, even someone who might have driven a woman to a clinic to have such a procedure. So the tactic, your tactic, is to spread the fear around as many people as possible. Isn't, isn't that it? Make sure abortion providers are always looking over their shoulder, never knowing if they're under surveillance. Is that right? Well, the law specifically says the mother cannot be sued. And as far as the aiding and abetting liability, that's only for people who know that an abortion is being done on a little baby with a heartbeat. So it's pretty narrow. But yes, that doctor, if a doctor in Texas today doesn't check for the heartbeat and does the abortion, that doctor is breaking the law. If the doctor checks for a heartbeat, detects one, and does the abortion, that doctor is breaking the law. And so anyone who directly aids or abets him, uh, it's like uh, someone have asked, people have asked about the Uber driver. Well, if an Uber driver gives a bank robber a ride to the bank and he knows that he's acting as the getaway driver, he's aiding and abetting. If he doesn't know that's what's going on, he is not. It's as simple as that. But the doctor, the doctor who's not checking for a heartbeat or who's taking that little baby's life after he detects a heartbeat, that's who the bill is aimed at. But primarily. you want these doctors and anybody else involved in the abortion process to be constantly looking over their shoulder, don't you? Wondering if they're being spied on, wondering if somebody is informing them. And you think all this helps to build trust in communities that are already so polarized politically in America? Or don't you care? Don't you care about trust in communities? We do not want doctors in Texas performing illegal abortions. That's what this law is about, plain and simple. So spread the fear. Spread the fear. We, we don't want doctors performing illegal abortions. And so far, the law is working. You've probably read and, and seen other reports. Uh, the abortion industry has responded to the law. And with few exceptions that we're aware of, they are not doing abortions on little babies that have a heartbeat. And that's what the law is about. Are you now looking forward to a long line of hungry whistleblowers lining up in your state to uh, 
uh, file these uh, civil lawsuits against abortion providers who over the years have been threatened, harassed and subjected to false and vexatious claims. You want all that to turn into an avalanche against these people just because they think differently from you. As you know, that is not happening because the abortion industry is complying with the law. Here's what this bill's about. It's this happening bill all says over that America. Little baby, human, that little baby growing inside her mother's womb is a human being worthy of protection. That's what this law's about. You say that, but uh, in the process, look at the people who are being damaged. Look at the Women's Health Clinic, for instance. Say they've been reported to the state for all sorts of trivia, like having the wrong water heater permit or not following social distance protocols. Whole Women's Health says all these false reports disrupt care services, and this culture of threats and accusations is designed to intimidate providers. You don't mind that intimidation, do you? Because you think that's a legitimate weapon? in your fight to save I'm not, these babies that you seem to care so much about? I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure about those claims. Any medical facility has to meet some basic health standards. I'm not aware of those complaints you're talking about. That has nothing to do with the heartbeat law. The heartbeat law says if a doctor wants to perform an abortion in Texas, first, the doctor has to check for the fetal heartbeat. And if they detect one, they cannot go forward. This law is very focused on that. Your law allows no exemptions for rape or incest. And I wonder, in all your excitement about this law coming into force, if you'd thought about how you'd tell a 13-year-old rape victim that she isn't going to get an abortion, thanks in part to your efforts, and she'll have to live with the daily physical reminder of that attack, possibly for the rest of her life. How do you, how do you tell her that? Do you be prepared to do that? Well, of course. Of course, there's an exception for the mother's health, the mother's life. We met with a number of A medical of rape emergency, victims. it has to be. We, rape and incest right. are, exe are not correct. exempted. That's so, so we met with a number of rape victims. We also met with people who told us, now adults, that they were conceived in rape. And difficult to imagine uh, what that would be like. It's a horrible situation. When a woman has been through that, when a woman has been through that, that indescribable experience, we wouldn't want to make the situation worse by taking the life of the child. So we come alongside that mother. In fact, in Texas, we've increased funding along with the heartbeat bill. We've increased funding to $100 million for the Alternatives to Abortion program. That gives tangible help to mothers. If they decide to keep the child, they get parenting classes, diapers, baby formula, car seats, social services. If they decide to place the child for adoption, they get real help there. And last cycle, 100000 Expectant mothers and adoptive parents were helped by this program. We plan to grow that program more because we can love and respect and help that mother while we save the life of the child. We can do both, and we reject this idea that we have to choose. We can save them and love them both. And if they, and if they still suffer as a result of that, well, that's just too bad, isn't it? Uh, a Texas lady called a Lavinia... A rape situation. A, a, you, you seem to suggest that if a woman is raped and then and then gets an abortion, everything's going to be okay. The rape victims we've spoken to have talked about horrible trauma and how it continues to haunt them, and we want to help them and love them and support them. We can do that while we save the life of that little baby. Well, one Texas lady called Lavinia Masters, who was interviewed by your ABC affiliate in Dallas uh, recently, who is a rape victim, and um, said, how dare you tell me, Texas, that you're going to take that power away from me and tell me, a rape victim at 13, that you're going to have that child. No, sir. What, what do you say to her? Have a of few course. sessions of counseling. We'll look after you. Cheer up. It'll be okay. 
whatever we whatever happens to that woman after that horrible experience she needs help she needs love she needs support we want to make sure she gets that the question becomes is that little baby growing inside her mother's womb is that a human being worthy of protection or not once we answer that question then we can move forward and give love and support and tangible help but if that little baby is a human being that little human being is worthy of protection. But in a we way, we punish you, the rapist. We don't pun. We punish the rapist. We don't punish the little baby. But in a way, you take a, you make the mother a double victim if she's had a been the subject of a rape or incest attack or whatever. You make her a double victim by restricting her right to choose what happens after that. That woman's in a terrible situation. We want to help her and you tangibly, make it worse. encourage her. While we protect the life of the little unborn baby, we punish the rapist, we don't punish that little unborn baby. Mr. Hughes, I want to look at another controversial piece of legislation that you've been involved with this summer, a new law that overhauls election rules in Texas and has been widely criticized yes. by Democrats and civil rights groups. Before we get into details, you've said the aim of the new voting is to make elections more accessible and more secure. And talking of secure... Both are important. Yeah. Yes. Talking of secure, do you accept that Joe Biden won fairly in last year's presidential election? I know that in Texas, uh, our election went well. It wasn't perfect. There were problems. As you know, President Trump won the majority of votes in Texas. He, that, that other states had different results. And so I know most about what happened in Texas. And in Texas, uh, we have some work to do. I believe that the final result was right in Texas. But we have some work to do. Any vote that's not counted right is a problem for that voter. Their, their right was taken away. So, 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 is, uh, so is, that a, Texas, is that a yes or no? Joe Biden won fairly in last year's presidential election. Do you accept that? Oh, J Joe Biden is the president. No one that's is not, trying to, my to change the result in 2020. That's not my question. What's the question? The question is, do you accept Joe Biden won fairly in last year's presidential election? Did oh, well, he he's win the president. Fairly. No one is contesting that. Did I don't he win know. Fairly? I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened in every single state. I know about Texas, and my focus is on Texas elections. But Joe Biden's the president. Now, there's going to be an election in 2022. We believe Republicans will do very well. In 2024, we believe we're going to take back the White House. You, you keep the more refusing, Americans live with you keep rising costs, rising crime, a border crisis. You keep refusing to answer uh, the, question the question about whether the, quest whether the election, in your view, was fair. You clearly have an opinion. Are you frightened to express it in some way? Frightened of Trump, for instance? So, so, so the election in Texas uh, had some problems. We believe the result was accurate. It had some problems. We wanted, That's why we're trying to clean up the law. Every two years we meet and try to make the process better for elections, for education, for transportation. This is nothing new in Texas. People try to drag us into this national debate. This bill is about elections in Texas. You're, in, you're and an making American. Sure right. I'm no asking no matter you for who wins. I'm, I'm no. asking you for your opinion as an American whether you think you had a fair presidential election. That's it. It's a simple question. I don't know what, I don't, you, are you I telling don't me you don't know or you can't state. answer? I'm saying I don't know what happened in every state. Joe Biden's the president. And we want to make sure our elections are working well so that future elections work well and people can have trust in the process. We do know this, that Americans across the board, Republican and Democrat, are losing faith in the electoral process. So we want to make sure the rules work well 
whether the Republicans win or the Democrats win, well, we well, want to well, make well, sure well, that We'll come on to that in, 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 a, in a moment. But Donald Trump said last week, okay. if we don't solve the presidential election fraud of 2020, which we have thoroughly and conclusively documented, Republicans will not be voting in 22 or 24. It is the single most important thing for Republicans to do. You're a Republican. Do you share right. that view that there was an election fraud of 2020? I'm giving you the chance to disavow that lie, the big lie, about the so-called big steal. I'm giving you a chance. If you're you're not going to take you're it, are you? If asking there was fraud, of course. Of, if you're asking if there's fraud, of course there was fraud. You've seen the affidavits. You've seen the videos. I don't know what happened in every state. My focus is on Texas, and that's why in Texas we want to make sure the election's working like it's supposed to. Whenever we have problems, we want to solve them so that everyone can trust the election results. This bill is about Texas elections and making sure they're working right for everyone, regardless of who you vote for. So you're not going to tell me whether you buy into the big steal or not? This notion of the big steal. I'm not an expert you, on other you're states. Scared. You're scared, aren't you? I'm not an expert you? on other states' elections. I'm here to talk about Texas. I can't believe it. Brian Hughes, you're scared, aren't you? You're scared of saying it. Others in your party had some guts. Tom Cotton, for instance, <laughs> Republican senator from Arkansas, big Trump supporter. He said it right after the January riots in Washington. It's past time for the president to accept the results of the election and quit misleading the American people. He can do it. Why can't you? <laughs> I don't know the context in which he said that. I can tell you this. The 2020 election is over. We understand that. To the extent there were problems, and we know there were, let's see what they were so we can fix the system so it works better for everyone. Whether you're a Democrat or a Republican, you want an election system that works, that people will trust the results. We all are in favor of that. That's, that's, not, a big, that's not a big debate. Let, let's talking, talk about um, Texas, since you'd rather look at that than the general picture of the American presidential election. You're trying, I assume, out of loyalty to Donald Trump to fix a problem that you've repeatedly exaggerated. Isn't that true? In April this year, you said there were 400 open voter fraud cases in the hands of the Texas Attorney General. Yes. In fact, the number of people right. facing voter charges in April this year in Texas was 43. And only one of those cases stemmed Over from four. last year's election. Over 400 counts against 40-something defendants. There have been over 500 convictions since 2005. In the district I represent, in beautiful East Texas, I have a county commissioner, elected official, who's out on bail for mail ballot fraud. There's no question that this takes place. I don't understand why we even uh, keep talking about this. There's no question that it takes place. In Texas, every two years, the legislature meets, and we try to make the system better, whether it's education or transportation or voting. This is not part of some national debate. We do this every two years. Mr. Hughes, only one of those 43 cases that in April were in the hands of the Texas Attorney General stemmed from last year's election. After more than four months of investigating last year's election, with 11 million votes cast in Texas, there was only one case of voter fraud pending. You're trying to fix a problem that doesn't exist. 400 counts against... Four dozen defendants is a problem that exists, is a problem that exists. That's what those are called. I've got a county commissioner, elected county commissioner, out on bail for mail ballot fraud. This is a real problem in Texas. We want to make sure the system is working. That's and if one you look person. At the 11 million in this bill, votes if you look at the in Texas. 11 if you million look votes. at the protections in this bill, the protections in this bill are about ballot harvesters. They're about cheaters, not individual voters who are trying to cheat. The voters are trying to get it right. 
but we have criminals who are getting in between the voter and her ballot, trying to mislead, forge forms, mislead the voter, coerce the voter, and that's what this bill's about, and we will not tolerate that. Every voter, regardless of how they vote or where they vote, their vote needs to count, needs to count accurately. We're, we're going to fight this for is, that. This we're, is a bill important. that actually reduces access, doesn't it? The evidence is there. Not uh, true. It you ban 24-hour voting. True. You ban 24-hour voting options. That reduces access, doesn't it? 24-hour voting. Let's, let's, let's talk about 24-hour voting, not in the Texas election code. We looked to see where that had been done before. One county in Texas, one county tried 24-hour voting. We can't find anyone else in the country who tried it except Los Angeles, California. Does that, As you know, does that that's a Democratic area. Why not lead the way? Why let me, not let me lead the way what, with 24-hour Let me tell you what they did. Let me, answer, let me answer your question. In Los Angeles, California, they did 24-hour voting in their primary election, and then they stopped before the general election because it didn't work. I don't hear you accusing them of voter fraud or voter suppression, but that's okay. We get it. We're big boys. We can handle it. 24-hour voting didn't work. Hard to get workers. Hard to get poll watchers, hard to get volunteers involved in 24-hour voting. Instead, in this bill, we expanded access on the weekends during the day, voting in person when there are people there, when there's a system that works, when the machines are adequate. Here's another of your measures, and it's been especially unpopular, the new requirements for assisting disabled voters. Now these helpers yes. will be obliged to fill out a new document and pledge a new oath promising to restrict their assistance to the voter in question. This is just gratuitous interference and time-wasting, isn't it? We have sworn testimony of a voter in South Texas who said she was there to vote and someone came up to help her. She says, I thought this lady was helping me use the machine, but instead this lady voted the way she wanted to vote and I didn't get to vote. That's sworn testimony from a trial in Texas. There are similar cases like that. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Someone trying to get in between the voter and her ballot. For years, if you assist a voter in Texas, this has always been the law, you have to sign your name. That is nothing new. We want to make sure that if you're claiming to assist a voter, you're letting that voter vote the way she wants to, not the way you want to. We have paid ballot harvesters who show up at the polls and try to coerce voters, vulnerable voters, voters who are not as good with the English language, and they deserve our protection, and they will get our protection. Brian Hughes, it's been good to have you on Conflict Zone. Thank you very much indeed for your time. Thanks for having me.